When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the All NBA Show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Tim, full night of games in the NBA, and one in particular that I thought was absolutely fantastic. I don't think I've been more excited in this show to talk about a game than I am the Celtics Timberwolves. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I agree with you. Last night, you know, full slate. So, going into a night like that, Adam, you got to kind of target. A couple yep. of games, and you hope that you get a good game because you know you're probably going to have to talk about it the next day. So I, I thought that uh, Boston, Minnesota, for me here now, early in the season, that was one of the best games I've watched to this point in the year. From, from an, an intensity standpoint, yeah. an execution standpoint, a talent standpoint, big shot making, it had a little bit of everything, a lot of drama and overtime games. So it's nice when the marquee game of the night and the one you're most looking forward to gives you that kind of entertainment. A hundred percent. And it also had a matchup component to it with Anthony Edwards and Jason Tatum, which we'll get to here in just a little bit. So we're going to break down that game. We're going to talk about Anthony Edwards and do a little bit of a deep dive on him. He was one of Legler's most interesting players coming into the season. So we're going to continue our series where we talk about those guys and do a deep dive. James Harden made his debut. I'm not I'm not quite as excited to talk about that game, to be honest with you, but it is an important one, so we're going to get to it. And then at the end, Nuggets-Pelicans, um, we're going to talk a little Jokic and, and kind of what he's been doing this year. Um, so we'll get to all of that. But we got to start with, as we mentioned, our top story, the number one offense in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, the number one defense in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They had a clash last night. Derek White was out. Congrats to him on the birth of his child. So he is away for uh, family business. So it was a little bit of a shorthanded Celtics team. The Timberwolves, though, take down the Celtics. They have been giant killers this year, taking down both Denver, giving them their only loss this year, and now Boston, their only loss. So this was one that you mentioned went down to overtime. Um, we're not going to break down just necessarily the, the exact rhythms of the game. That's not what this show's about, but we want to talk about things that stood out about the game. So, Legs, what stood out to you about this this matchup? A couple of things for me. First of all, you know, just watching Minnesota and, and you're you're just tantalized because you're watching them play and you're, you know, certain things are happening in the game. And you're like going, man, like this team has a lot. They have a lot of things to make it interesting. And this is a team that really didn't get a whole lot of love coming into the season. You know, yeah. you, you, you know who the top teams in the West are. Certainly Denver coming into the year, you know, is on, on a different level. And even the other teams, they're just they're sexier storylines there, right? With some of these other teams that got a lot of attention. Not the case necessarily with Minnesota. They sort of stood pat with what they finished the year with. But you watch them play and you look at what they are capable of with their length and athletic ability defensively. And they bothered Boston at, at important times in this game. And if it wasn't for Boston's elite talent level with Tatum and Brown and the way those right. two guys played, if you don't have two guys like that operating against a team that's that long and athletic, you're going to have a problem. So that's what I think stood out to me more than anything was just Minnesota's ability to get up into you and pressure you and and switch certain things and get away with it. And then the length on any sort of penetration to the rim. Uh, defensively, very impressive team. No shock that they are the number one ranked defensive team in the league. And I'm completely buying their defense because it's not one of those things where it's like some teams ran cold or they're going to be vulnerable to this or that. I mean, we could talk about vulnerabilities later on, but – 
They have good defenders all over the court. I mean, obviously, Rudy Gobert is a, a, an elite rim protector, but Jaden McDaniels, my goodness, the job he does defensively is impressive. And you mentioned not a lot of hype coming into the year. It's understandable. They haven't done anything yet, you know, as a team and, and, and with this core. But that's disguised, in my opinion, a little bit. You know, Bruce Brown did an interview over the summer where he said the Timberwolves were actually the toughest matchup the Nuggets faced en route to the playoffs last year. And if you look at the scores at the end of that series, they were close. They were really close, tough battles. Denver struggled to score in that series more than any other series. And they didn't have Jaden McDaniels, probably their best perimeter defender. So let's just start with this part of it. Nobody has slowed down the Celtics this year. The Wolves slowed him down a lot. Nobody has slowed down the Nuggets this year. They hold the Nuggets to 89 points. Are you like me and that you are fully buying that this is a, a legitimate defense that's going to be number one or near number one all year long? No, I do. I, I do agree with that. Jade McDaniels is the main reason that I think that, you know, elevate them to that status. And you're just watching him operate against Tatum and Brown last night. He's just incredibly long, great lateral movement. I, this is the kind of guy that has, you know, eventually, potentially – defensive player of the year type of yes. credential but that's I agree. that's how good he is and you know we've i hope we we've gotten away from the mentality that i think this league and the people that vote on these awards they were so consumed at one point with oh lead the league in rebounds and block shots your defensive right. player of the year and i've always been a guy that railed against that because the, the defense responsibility of elite wings is so much greater than bigs in this league i know bigs are your last line of defense they're important to have Obviously, cleaning up the glass at the end of the possession is very important. But the number of things that you're asking a guy like Jaden McDaniels to do or a Kawhi Leonard or even a LeBron, who I thought at some point should have gotten one of those. You know, when you're talking about every trip up the floor, you are guarding multiple players that have the ability to tune you up. That's not necessarily the case with a lot of bigs, but it is the case with elite wings. Because even if you start out on Tatum, there's a ball screen. Well, you know what? You end up on, uh, at some point, now you got Jalen Brown in that possession. Oh, you got Drew Holiday you switched out on too. Every trip, your your task is to slow down these elite level scores. And Jade McDaniels has the look of a guy that can do it. The fact that he's out 40, 45 feet from the basket, like picking up Tatum, right when he comes across half court, understanding that, Every dribble I make him burn right now, if I can make him spin, make him change directions, counter, all this stuff before you get into the scoring area, it wears a guy down over the course of the game. Now, look, Jason Tatum is one of the best offensive players in this league, and he still played well throughout the game. But it does matter when you when you are willing to affect the game in that way. So I thought McDaniel stood out. You obviously got Gobert back there as the last line of defense. And then Nas Reed is a guy that's very interesting to me too, Adam, because – He's a big that can get out and slide his feet, and he's just much more yeah. athletic than Carl Anthony Towns. So when he's out there with Gobert and McDaniels, you've got Conley on the ball and Anthony Edwards, who's trying harder to be a good defender. You've got all the makings of a team that, that can be locked down for long stretches. I, I want to get back to Nas Reed later on, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, another guy that I would throw into that list of just the competent defenders, good defenders. But I want to stick on the Jaden McDaniels part here because, to me, he is – he might be, for me, the most interesting player on that roster, just because I feel like I already know Anthony Edwards. I, I feel like I know what he's going to be and what he is. McDaniel's defense, he, you mentioned the length. Players can be aggressive up in you defenders, and then you're vulnerable to getting beat to the to the basket oftentimes. Or you could be the long-rangey defenders that plays off and contests and just makes things hard. I think McDaniel's is a rare example of a guy that can do both. He gets yeah. into guys and he pressures them and he can get steals and he's disrupting you and he's turning you and all these different and getting in passing lanes when you pick up the ball and just making your life hell. But at the same time, he also can get back and provide a cushion. So you're constantly having to deal with both things where he is playing off you and into you. And to me, that's why I'm so high on him on, on his defense. And Tatum did make some shots last night. Like you look at Tatum's line, 12 of 22, do you think, okay, 32 points, that must've been a good night, but it wasn't. That was a, he had to work really hard and down the stretch to your point, when it became a battle of in the clutch, I thought Tatum looked exhausted. I thought he looked tired, and I thought he looked like a guy that just went to overtime against one of the best defenders in the league. Well, you know what he got him to do, and, and this is what wearing down a guy can have an effect. He got him to settle for jump shots. Yep. Like late in that game, right? And Tatum is really good when he's mixing all that up. But it got to the point where like he he was going to get to a spot and rise up with a hand in his face because – of the, all the work he had to do handling the basketball, um, McDaniels made him show the entire bag. I felt like every time he got it, Jason Tatum was 
was having to pound the ball multiple times, ch change directions multiple times, go to different counters just to get space to have the kind of night that he did. And here's the other component to this too, Adam. Now, there was a guy in Philly that I thought had a similar look to, to McDaniels, and that was Matisse Thibault. The yeah. difference, though, and Matisse Thibault actually one year, he, he guarded Steph Curry better than I've ever seen any player guard Steph Curry for an entire game and, and the way he harassed him and the length coming from behind guys and bothering them on their jump shot and all these things. Here's the difference, though. Matisse Thibault was never a guy that they could ever fully invest in because he was a complete liability on the other end of the floor. Right. Right? I mean, he could he could make a, a corner three occasionally, but more often than not, you had no idea whether that ball was going in. And he couldn't put it down. He couldn't make a, a mid-range jump shot. It was all catch-and-shoot threes or occasionally a slash. Well, look at McDaniels last night, and I don't know if this is going to be you know a trend going forward. He gives you 20 in addition to what he's doing against Tatum and, and Brown and how hard he has to work against those guys. Makes four threes, had a couple of mid-range pull-ups when they ran him off the line. So if he can be another source of supplemental offense in addition to what he's giving him on the other end, I mean, you have a guy now that is just super intriguing as a young player and what his ceiling can be. But automatically, right off the bat, his defensive pressure and contests and length is just eye-popping when you watch him play. So he's shooting, he's 7 of 14 from the three-point line this year. It's a really small sample size, but he's been competent as a shooter. He And, you know, has... I don't love his form. I don't think it looks – it's not one of those shots that looks beautiful. But if it's going in, it, it works. I thought in the first half he took a few he probably shouldn't. You know this, that three-point shooting is as much about shot selection oftentimes, especially for a player like him. What is your shot and what's not? And I thought in the first half there were some that were not his shot that he took. But he has more to his game. A three and D wing usually means a guy that's in the corner he can catch and shoot. He put the ball on the – on the floor a lot last night crossover moves spin moves like dynamic things now i don't think he's very polished at that yet but he showed me enough to say like this is going to be a process where right now i think he might i think he's already good enough to be a two-way player that you can call him a two-way player but he has the upside to be like no that might be a guy that can actually run uh you know run some things in your offense take the load off of anthony edwards and by the way, he had the closing shot last night. I know Anthony Edwards had all the big ones in, in overtime, but the last one that put the final nail in the coffin, Anthony Edwards gets out of the way and tells Jaden McDaniels, you you cook. And he did, and he knocked down a shot. He did, and, you know, I think, you know, this is going to be the evolution for him. How, you know, how much is – and we talked about this a little bit um, yesterday about a different player, but it's how much are you going to give him – the opportunity to do it, right? So the organization has to support that mm. development. And then he's got to put the time in to work on it. Because now if you're a guy that, you know, on a bad night is getting you double figures in that role as a stopper, as the guy that's going to expend all that energy and do all the stuff that most guys don't want to do. If you're also on a bad night, getting, getting your team double figures and on a good night, you're getting them 20. And, and that's where you fall just about every night. Now you've got a serious problem i think if you're if your team has got to play against minnesota because you you don't know exactly now what you're supposed to give up and all this extra attention that anthony edwards is going to start to command and he was sensational last night and you know he's, he's such a fascinating player coming out of what he did this summer with team usa and how he's elevated himself and his profile but i just thought minnesota there were multiple times i thought the celtics had control of the game a critical possession they're up they get a stop they have the ball you're thinking, okay, if Tatum scores on this possession to go up four in overtime, the game's going to be over. And they got another stop. And then they come down, and, of course, Anthony Edwards goes crazy and, and basically right. decides matters there uh, by himself late. But I just thought it was a very uh, workmanlike performance and, and digging deep against the best team in the NBA right now going into last night. And, and Minnesota hung with that possession by possession and, and won a game against a proven winner in overtime very impressive so here's the interesting part and, and by the way just to put a fine point on the defense because again i'm buying it i'm i'm really buying their defense in part because i saw what they did last year against denver in the playoffs without Jaden mcdaniels but Nikhil alexander walker is another guy that i think is just a really good defender he's smaller so he's like he's gonna have different matchups but it's another guy that i trust even in a playoff series to say hey we need somebody out there that can lock down you know, Mike Conley, obviously a veteran, knows what he's doing defensively, really can does a lot there. Kyle Anderson's a good defender. You need to be able to stack a lot of defenders. In a playoff series, you're going to have to throw a lot of bodies at, at, at players. And I just think that they are one of the few teams that at this moment I can say they have enough bodies defensively to throw out the top teams in the Western Conference. 
do they have enough two-way? Do they have enough like combinations? I mean, that's what the whole season's going to be about, finding out the right combos. But they definitely have the horses. But the interesting question that you've kind of alluded to here is, you know, Nas Reed's a really good player for a big – usually when you get a skilled big guy, maybe they're a little skinny or, or this or that. He's a big-bodied big guy who moves like a guard but on both ends of the court, although I think he's a lot more fluid on offense than he is on defense, but he's confident. And I don't know if this is a hot take, Legs. I kind of like their team more with him than I do with Carl Anthony Towns, and I like the staggered lineups that they get to with him. Towns is the guy that I look at on this roster sometimes and feel like he's an odd man out. How do you feel about that specific piece of it, Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns and their fit into this ecosystem? Definitely an odd man out. And look, I, this is not any sort of slam against Carl Anthony Towns. We know he's an immense talent, right? And he, he brings a lot to the table. He's a load to handle because of his ability to play inside out. But I can honestly say last night, I watched every minute of that game. I barely noticed Carl Anthony Towns yeah. was on the floor. I mean, it's, and, and his, his line, seven points. He didn't get a lot of shots. He had, he had, he had foul trouble. He had, ended up fouling out. He only took 10 shots. You know, 10 rebounds, that's that's a nice night. 10 defensive boards. They just were kind of quietly mixed in there. Didn't do anything offensively. Had seven turnovers. Um, he just didn't look comfortable at any point. And it didn't look like they were valuing him. You know, Anthony Edwards, th there were times Anthony Edwards would catch the ball in the wing. Carl Anthony Towns was wide open at the top of the key as a trailer or just an initial set because Porzingis was off of him back in the paint. And he's like calling for the ball. And Anthony Edwards never considered throwing him the basketball. He just right. gave him like a nod and like, get out or come get me. And I'm going to do my thing. And look, we know that Anthony Edwards, this is now his team. We understand that. He's become the ultimate alpha offensively. But it, Carl Anthony Towns just looked uncomfortable. You know, Nas Reed, because of his energy, is going to create opportunities for himself that Carl Anthony Towns won't. Like Carl Anthony Towns, the guy offensively, he wants to be, hey, let's run a set. Pick and pop, give me the ball. Let me post up, give me the ball. I, I, I want to be the focal point of this, this possession. Nas Reed never has to be the focal point of anything and can go get you, you know, 14, 15 points, double-digit rebounds, great defense on the other end without running a play for him. And that's right. why he fits in better when you've got a guy like Anthony Edwards who's going to dominate the basketball to that extent. So I did sort of sense that. They said it on the broadcast last night, the Celtics guys, and I thought, you know what, that's actually an interesting point. The more I watched the game, the more I did think I like this team better with Nas Reed on it right now than Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't know what they do about that necessarily, uh, right. but it, I think it's more about the impact of Nas Reed, by the way, than it is some sort of a, of a criticism of Carl Anthony Towns. We're trying to give Nas Reed a lot of love here because he deserves it. Right. And, and honestly, some of this is just fit and figuring where guys, you know, belong on the court and where they fit into that ecosystem. I mean, Towns, it's an interesting dynamic where Carl Anthony Towns was the cornerstone of a young group, and then a younger piece came in and has sort of slowly overtaken him. That's that's a unique dynamic that's always a little bit uncomfortable, even when everybody's buying in. And I think that Towns, to his credit, maybe you agree or maybe you disagree, you say that you almost didn't notice him. Sometimes that's a credit to him. He could have been much more disruptive and maybe demanded the ball more. And there's a part of me that was like, you know what, he's kind of out of the way and the other team has their rhythm. Um, but nonetheless, it's something to kind of monitor as, the, as this thing goes forward, because he's obviously such a huge part of their team. Um, but outside of that, I mean, Nas Reed, I really like as well. He's, he's, he's been great. Defensively, I was less high on him than what you kind of indicated here. You were mentioning that you liked what you saw from him defensively. What, what was it that stood out to you? Activity. He's just he's just much more fleet of foot than, than a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. And he's, he's going to be able to cover a little bit more ground. He runs back significantly better in transition. He just his straight ahead speed matters. And, and when you get bigs to change ends of the floor with a lot of effort and determination, even a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's, who's kind of long and lumbering, watch Rudy Gobert turn and bust it to get back in transition defense. It's, it's, it's a right. hallmark for a guy that size. Most bigs, if they're down trying to get an offensive rebound and they don't get it and there's any sort of transition going the other way, they're going to be the last guy up the floor because they have an excuse to be. Rudy Gobert turns, his head is down on his first three strides, and he is trying so hard to get back into the play. And Nas Reed has some of that in him, and it's more effortless because he's just a better athlete. He runs like a smaller guy. You know, that's a much harder thing for Carl Anthony Towns to do. If he's in the paint right. when the shot's taken, he's not getting back to affect things defensively. That's kind of where I like Nas Reed better. All right, so I'm going um, to get a little hyperbole here. I think the Wolves 
I, I put them right below the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference based on the teams that I've seen. Now, it's so early. I'm not trying to make predictions about what's going to happen. But if you would tell me who looks like the teams in the West right now, well, we haven't seen Phoenix fully loaded. But I feel pretty confident saying that they're not going to be a very good defensive team. They're going to be a great offensive team, but they are not a two-way team. You've got question marks around a lot of the other ones. I trust the Wolves' defense. I just think I've, I, they have the pieces – they, they have the fit. They have all these things that I think the Wolves are going to be a great defense in the West. They have a lot of different types of talent on their roster. So it's not just like, you know, front court or back court or whatever. They, it's spread out. And then they have a star in, in Anthony Edwards that I just trust as much as just about any star. So for me, their offense, I'm still curious to see how all the pieces fit. And there's different question marks along the way. But to me, I look at them and I go, they look like a team that can challenge in the West as much as anybody else that we've sort of penciled in there based on reputation. Can you go that far? Or, or, or do you feel I'm getting ahead of myself here? First hot take of the day. Adam is saying Minnesota's going to the conference finals. I love it, Adam. I love being out on a limb like that. Listen, here, here's the thing. No, you're not crazy because of where we are in this season. And there are more questions about some of these teams. And look, the West is so deep. I mean, there's honestly 12 teams. Yeah. that I'm interested in watching every single night. And that includes the San Antonio Spurs, who are going to take their lumps tonight. They've already had a couple right. of 40-point losses, but they've got Victor Weminyama. they got a couple other young, talented offensive players. They're interesting. So there's 12 teams that I look forward to watching in the Western Conference. That doesn't mean they're all contenders, but there are a lot of teams that right now you could easily reach in a hat, pull out a name of a team, and plug them in somewhere two through eight. And you're not yeah. going to have a big problem with it. You can make a reasonable argument. Minnesota is in that category. And the biggest reason for that is because of what we have seen in the development of Anthony Edwards offensively as a go-to closing, big-time pressure, shot-making player. Now he's got to be more patient. And we're going to do a bit of a deep dive on yep. him about some of the things he needs to work on. His patience and not going for the home run shot has to improve. But – his, his what has happened with him and the way he has improved over the last year and a half offensively, that gives him that chance. Now you've got every night you go in and say, we have a guy now that's capable of being the best player on the floor offensively because of his evolution. And when you look at the depth, the talent, the defense, and you look at the question marks mainly surrounding every single other team in this category beyond Denver, absolutely. You can make a reasonable argument. No one's going to laugh at you for saying you could see Minnesota in that group, maybe a top four team in the West. Um, but it's just so early. Let's see some of these other teams sort out some of their issues and get some guys back from injuries. And no question, it's early to make any kind of crazy proclamations. I'll just put it this way. I'm buying as much stock as I can in Minnesota right now. To me, if I'm, I'm placing bets right now, I'm going to place some really early, great value bets on the Minnesota Timberwolves because I buy them. Let's take our first break. On the other side, though, we mentioned Anthony Edwards. He really is the part we talked about the defense, all the great role players. Anthony Edwards is the one that if they are going to make a run like that in the West to the Western Conference Finals, they need superstar performances from Anthony Edwards. So we're going to do a deep dive on him right here on the other side. First, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official partner here at All-NBA, an official partner, uh, sports betting partner of the NBA. Celebrating an unbeatable offer right now, new customers can score $200 in instant Bet bonus bets just for throwing down $5 on any NBA game. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. There's no games today, so you're going to have to wait till Wednesday to get that bet in. But just put $5 on a game, and you're going to win $200 in instant bonus bets no matter what the outcome of that game is. DraftKings uh, Sportsbook also has those parlays, including same-game parlays, where you combine uh, multiple bets on the same game to get an even bigger payout. Those are always a lot of fun. Um, I always do Jokic triple-double. Michael Porter Jr. threes hits every time. Uh, Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ALLNBA. You see it right there in the top, uh, the little bug on the screen there. ALLNBA, just to remind you, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut... Help is available for gambling problems. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, as a licensed partner of Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 
21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball for terms, eligibility, and deposit restrictions and for responsible gaming resources. All right, let's get back to the All-NBA show. All right, back here, legs, and okay, the cornerstone piece of this all is Anthony Edwards. I'm going to start by saying this. One of the most fun players in the NBA, and on any given night, the single most fun player. He had some incredible quotes. He's one of the best quotes in the NBA. I love his personality. I love his approach. He seems like a... uh, This is going to sound weird because I'm not just talking about a guy as a personality. I think it actually impacts him as a player. He seems very authentic. And in the game, he can criticize, in a post game, he can criticize himself. He can say, he just seems so authentic and honest. And to me, I think that that honesty is an important trait for a player because it makes me think they're honest with themselves. And I just love Anthony Edwards. Is he, he's on my short list of players that when they're on, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Where does he fall for you in that, in, in that category? Yeah, he's getting there to be must-watch TV for me now. Um, and and I think that this, you know, looking at some numbers this morning, this is incredible. That we see guys improve their scoring average early in their career, you know, year after year. But the leaps that he's taken in 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 that, first of all, you know, 18 to 21 to 24 to 28, he's not just incrementally increasing it year by year. He's taking huge bites, right? Mm. But it's more than that, Adam. He has improved every year in field goal percentage. In three-point percentage, his rebounding numbers, his assist numbers, each year, every category is inched up. You just don't see that. You might see a guy make that jump in scoring, but maybe it flattens out a little bit of rebounding. Maybe one year, you know, he, he, he took a dip. He's improved in every category across the board. But here is the biggest reason I am buying in on Anthony Edwards. And it, re- refresh my memory because I'm sure you were sitting there or you were watching this game and covering it. When they played – Denver in the playoffs a year ago. Anthony Edwards, if I recall, missed a game-tying or game-winning shot in one of those games, correct? Correct. I don't remember Don't remember which game it was. Might have been his, reaction, his reaction afterwards of basically taking his jersey, running full speed off the court, pulled his yeah. jersey off his head, ran off the court into the locker room, left the floor, right? Say, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? Told me something about him. He was devastated to lose to not come through in that moment. And the one thing I see about him every time I watch him, he's got a look in his eye that he's obsessed with being great. And, and that's the one component that it's so hard to gauge until you get enough of a body of work and you watch a guy. He is a guy that absolutely hates to lose. He hates to be any any guy on the court that's not the center of attention. But when the game's over, if you're talking about somebody else, First, Anthony Edwards is ticked off by that. It bothers him. He wants to be the best player on the floor every night. He hates to lose. And I think that, along with these incredible physical tools that he has, that is why I think that Anthony Edwards, is his ascension as a superstar in this league has begun. He's not there yet. you got to have some postseason success right. to do that. But he's on his way to getting into that category. Minnesota has the kind of year we just talked about. He's going to get his opportunities this season to have those moments. I love that you started with this, Legs, because this show, we do a lot of X's and O's breakdown. We're breaking down basketball. But I love that you started here with this sort of trait, this personality trait, because to me it was on my list too. When I was breaking down, okay, strengths and weaknesses, my first strength is he's a super competitor. And that's such an underrated and underappreciated thing. And Jokic has a great quote. Nikola Jokic has this great quote where he says something like, Serbians don't love basketball. We love competition or we love winning something, something like that. And then basketball is just our avenue to doing that. I feel like Anthony Edwards is the same way. We know he was a great football player. We know he loves, loved, talked about playing baseball and all these different things. I feel like he was one of those guys that excelled at basketball and grew. And it's like, that's my sport, but it didn't matter what the competition was. He just wanted to compete and he wants, and he wants to do this and that. And after the game, I love this. Here's a quote. This comes from John Krasinski's article at the athletic, really good article uh, recapping the game where he says of Jason Tatum, because the end of that game last night, there was a little mano y mano, like, okay, who's going to carry their team Tatum or, or, or Edwards. And he says, he meaning Tatum, he got the stop on me at that end, at the end of regulation. And he says, he was talking smack at the jump ball in overtime. And I told him, you know, F it, I'm coming again. 
And then he says uh, later in the game, at the end of the game, he called me up for an ISO and he tried to ISO me. And I'm like, hey, I play defense. I just have foul five fouls. You know what I'm saying? So I had to show him I could play defense. This is what I mean. Yeah. The, the competition rises and that's and that's what gets him going. He was phenomenal in those moments. And now, in addition to, to the want to, which is the main quality you have to have, he's got that clearly. Now it is, do you develop and possess the skill set and, and how do you polish yeah. that up? So he's got a couple things that I think now is will be the next level because he's already added the ability to shoot at pretty much from any distance off the dribble after three-point line. And he's a legitimate threat from there and he hit, hit a couple big ones last night. He's also got this herky-jerky thing where he, but it's more in like one one direction or the other where he'll go, kind of start to slow down and then accelerate, get a little bump, and shoot a fadeaway or a pull-up jumper. He, he had a couple three-point plays last night where he went off the glass after he stopped and let a guy run into him. So he's got that start-stop. Now the next level, and this is what Tatum has done and added. Tatum did not have the handle when he came into the league that he does now. He now has such command of the basketball, he always has a counter to great defense. If a guy slides, cuts him off, cuts off a drive, cuts off a spin, cuts off a crossover, Jason Tatum doesn't now pick the ball up or settle mm. for a fadeaway jumper in that moment. He now will separate, get you squared up again, and go to the next move. And that is when you now become almost unguardable offensively. It's really about you missing a shot than that person affecting you. That's Anthony Edwards' next challenge because he still doesn't have that level of handle. It's usually one direction or the other. It's not going to be anything where there's going to be multiple counters if that's what it takes on a given possession. That's big. And then I talked about the patience factor, just not necessarily in that moment of adrenaline shooting yeah. that deep three, like out of the backcourt, like he did last night in a key moment, right? Because he just he's feeling it to such an extent. Yeah. He just bailed out the defense in a big way by settling for that shot. So patience and then mastering an additional counter with your handle. Those are the next two things, I think, for Anthony Edwards. So I, I want to – the patience thing is really interesting and the shot making too because at the end of the game, he took – some of the shots he made, and I think he made like four or five in a row in overtime. It was unbelievable how that some of the shots he made. But it was also unbelievable some of the ones he took because they if he misses those, you go, okay, what was that? But I'm kind of a believer, Legs, and I'm curious what you think of this. I'm a believer in players need to feel the emotion of the game. And some of those like shots that you take that are you know bad shots – you need to have control. You need to have mastery over your emotions in those tight moments. But at the same time, you do need to feel the emotion of that game. And I feel like he's one of those guys that feels those those things. And and that's part of why he's such a great clutch player is that intensity rises and he just rives, rides that wavelength. Um, and when you mentioned the ball handling, this is where I wanted to go because I think it's an interesting one. I think his other superpower, in, in addition to being a great competitor, is he has some of the best body control of anybody in the NBA. I think we talked about body control last week. You know, I, I, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I can't remember. But the way he moves his body left, right, he can put combinations of moves together that you can watch and say, I know he didn't practice that. He just he practiced each one individually, and then his body reacted just naturally and was able to kind of make a move on the fly and improvise. And when you say ball handling, that's a skill. There's some, there's some things that, that he has to work on. If you put two players side by side and gave them a thousand reps of the same drill, one player is going to be better at the end of that exercise than the other. To me, yeah. he's in the top percentile of players because of his body control. I just feel like he picks up on skills really, really quickly because he has such control over the movements of his body. So you're right about the ball handling. I just think that's going to be a thing that he solves here in the coming years to the level Tatum has. Well, look, guys that, that that are sort of built like Anthony Edwards and, and have that kind of athletic ability, and early on when he got to the league, the main reason he was making highlights is because he was absolutely destroying somebody at the rim, right, going up over the top of them. Guys like that typically don't get to a place their fourth year in the league where they're shooting 50% from the field. It, it just doesn't happen. So his shot selection has clearly improved, and it, it's there's still a margin where we're agreeing it can get better also – and, and not rely on that kill shot right? in that moment. Yeah. Understanding understanding, you can get something better for yourself. The body control is a great one also. Another element to that is he's got this uncanny ability to drive, jump against a bigger defender at the rim, 
hit them shoulder into their chest, and then he can move the basketball while he hangs in the air an extra nanosecond, right? Everybody else is starting to come down. He's still in the air to be able to get the ball clear and release it as the defender's going down and get something up on the glass. It talks about his strength, his body control. Now, another area that I think is going to be something interesting to watch because some of these great players in the league have added this and their ability to beat you with a pass when they've put their head down and gone to the rim hard. Right now, when Anthony Edwards does that, he's probably going to shoot that most of the time. And I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, mid-range jumper. Like, he's, 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 he's got an angle. He's turned the corner. He's got a gap. He's going to the rim. Now, hell or high water, that ball is going to get up on the glass. And now it's, well, let's see once he's committed in the air, can he make that kick out pass to the right corner for a three? Can he throw a lob off the move? to Gobert or somebody on the roll, right? Nas Reed. Can he throw a pocket pass in that moment to the guy on the baseline that's sliding up? So his ability as a playmaker has improved. There's another level there. Look, we're not nitpicking. What we're doing is challenging <laughs> a guy that has a chance to be a superstar yeah. to go add that 10% in these areas because that's what yeah. we're talking about. He's got so much already. There's a refinement and, and now you you become this weapon that there's no answer for once you can put all of that together. So we're not nitpicking. We're just talking about areas that a great player can, can continue to ascend. And that's what, we're, that's what this is for Anthony Edwards. We can compare him in this way to Jason Tatum because I think Jason yeah, Tatum is a few years ahead of him in that development, just the you know the, all the micro skills that come to offense. But I think even Tatum is – has a, a decent amount more to climb in the thing you're talking about right now. How do all the pieces on the court fit together? And what are my reads? You have the talent, but now to un fully unlock that, you have to read the team game. And I feel Tatum is still working on that thing as well. So how do, in your opinion, how do young players work on that specific skill, you know, given all the other responsibilities they have? Yeah, well, a lot of that part of it comes down to being somebody that's a voracious film studier. I mean, that's where mm. you see those opportunities. And the more you study it, the more op those opportunities present themselves in games, you find yourself naturally now looking at a place that you weren't before. An awareness is there. And, and, it, and, and that's something that I think Jason Tatum can improve on as well. I mean, one of the things about Boston that's interesting, as long as we're talking about Tatum, I've always said this about he and Jalen Brown. As great as those guys are and as tough as they can be on a given night, I also feel like Everything they do operates independently of each other, right? There, there are great combinations in this league of players, but a lot of it comes down to how, like, for instance, Jokic and Murray, two guys you get to watch all the time. Now, granted, one's a big, one's a guard. I get that. But Jokic spends so much time on the perimeter. I mean, he plays a lot of nice guards, the same, or occupies right. the same areas that the guard does. So much of what they do is interconnected. So much of what Tatum and Brown do is just independent of each other on a given possession, it feels like. Right. And as great as they are, and as a, a load that they are to handle, and they're great, great players, you just I haven't seen that gap get closed there, where it's more of the two of them putting immense pressure on teams because they're operating together at the same time. And that's, that's that next level we're talking about as well, and being able to beat teams even when it's not your night necessarily as a scorer. And that is going to be – that's always the challenge for young, great players. Like, can you find another way on a night when you just can't make a shot? How, how now are you beating teams with your rebounding, your defense, and then your playmaking on the other end? We're in the era of these player development coaches, you know, the, the, these private workout guys who are working with, you know, footwork and complex moves. And sometimes I see the moves guys are practicing in the offseason. I always think you might use that five times this year, <laughs> seven, <laughs> six crossover sidestep, whatever. You know, basketball is a game of one on one. you got to beat your guy, you know, in, in different movements or, or what have you. It's a game of two on two. You've got pick and rolls and you post entries and off. It's a game of three on three because a lot of, of of actions involve three players in some concert, and then it's five on five, meaning oftentimes the five on five game has two spacers and there's three pieces working or three spacers and two pieces working, but it's the relationship of all those pieces that I feel like is behind the individual part of this. And I always wonder if there's a market inefficiency out there for play, player development um, you know, trainers who are working on that aspect of it. Hey, we're good with our footwork. We're good on the sidestep, the step back. We're good. 
let's now work on what happens in this three-man action. What happens in this two-man action? What happens with this rotation versus that rotation? And that's the stuff you're talking about, I think, with both Tatum and with Anthony Edwards. And I don't know how you predict how good a guy will become at that. Because I don't know what it takes to be good at that. I think guys just figure it out through reps and, and pattern recognition. Yeah, I mean, some guys, it's innate and they're born with it. You know, you watch a guy, the first time I saw LeBron James play uh, a high school game, and he was obviously, you know, the, the biggest, strongest freak athlete on the court, and, and none of that stood out to me. What stood out to me was some of these passes he was making to far inferior players on his own team um, because of his ability to understand what was about to happen. So some of it can be innate with certain guys. Other guys, it's always a work in progress to learn. And I, like I said, I, I, I think – the number one way you work on that is to just constantly be looking at your cell phone film mm. and looking at opportunities. And I think the great players in this league do that because they understand the responsibility they have is not just for themselves to go get their 30 and they yeah. did their part. It's so much more on the plate of the true superstar. And I think Anthony Edwards is, is, is like I said, he's not there yet because I think to call a player a superstar – I think you have to have some postseason success, right? And prove that you can elevate your teams in those kind of pressure environments against the best competition. And then, and then you could start to throw that word around. I don't take that word lightly. I think he is on his way there. The team success now will determine how quickly he gets there. What else for him do you see in his game that that maybe is an area you want to see? I mean, I think the reading the court part is good, the, the, the handle very clearly. Is there another skill? Or, or, or thing that that's deficient uh I, I, you know it gets back to the for me the patience thing I, yeah. he gets i think he gets so hopped up on adrenaline in certain moments you know that he's just going to come down and look for any daylight that's again that just comes with time he's a very young player here's one area he has really dramatically improved his his early in his rookie year i was doing some breakdown on him because you know he was such an eye popper athletically you wanted to like take a look at this guy and he had really bad habits defensively with watching the ball on the weak side of the floor. And part of that's because he'd probably never really been asked to do it, right? No one made him accountable to do it as he was playing his high school basketball and AAU elite team. And then his one year in college when he was putting up numbers at Georgia, no one's really asking him to do those things and improve and making him accountable for it. So he would get beat on a, on a face cut when he's staring at the mm, ball on the weak right. side of the floor. He, he'd leak out on a, play that should have been his defensive rebound, right? And somebody gets a putback. Things like that, you know, swiping and picking up a cheap foul rather than taking that extra half second to slide your feet and draw the contact. He's gotten so much better in that area. And the reason is back to the very first point we made when you brought his name up. The guy is obsessed with being great. It's obvious. He has a look in his eye of constant dissatisfaction with what's going on. He wants more. You cannot teach it. Uh, you can only hope that your best players get it because if they have it, you've got a real chance to do some special things in this league from a team standpoint if your best player wants to be great. And we have some guys in this league right now, Tatum's like that. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the, is the guy that off the, pops off, right? It's, it's somebody that's just obsessed with that. I think Anthony Edwards has a lot of that in him. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. And there's players who they'll say things after a game, you know, or allude to something of I did my part as if that feels better. I lost, but I did my part <laughs> to the real competitors. That doesn't feel any different than, than, you know, I didn't do my part or whatever. Like those, those things are synonymous. And I think that's what you're getting at is with, yeah. Ed, with Anthony Edwards, losing is losing. And it doesn't matter if I was good and they were bad or whatever. You know what's so funny? I got to tell you this. This is a side note, off track, but so I, I, I'm a big fantasy football guy. I'm in a fantasy football league, and the name of my team is the, is my is that exact mentality. It's my least favorite mentality in athletes. The name of my fantasy football team is "Did My Part" because <laughs> because it because it drives me so nuts. And look, I played with some guys that had that mentality, um, yeah. and that's the thing that you got to erase to be a leader, and you got to understand what it takes. You know, and and you know, there's another component here also that I think I've seen in Anthony Edwards. Like, there's nights he doesn't have it, right? He just can't make a shot, and that happens, right? He can flip the switch when he needs to flip the switch. There are some players that yeah. once they head down that path, you're not going to hear from them again tonight. It's just not right. their night. They kind of accept it. It's the way it is. Anthony Edwards isn't like that. Like, you can have him 
pinned down to a three for 15 night and you better guard him the last six minutes because he has the ability um, to, to, to make sure he gets shots and he likes that moment to try to decide matters. Well, I love that we brought this up because it transitions nicely to our next topic. Um, after a dominant performance last night, in the especially in the second half, Nikola Jokic goes to the the podium and he has an all-time Jokic quote. He says, winning is fun and losing sucks. When asked about his motivation this year and, and you know how they're playing and you know, Jokic to me, it's hard. It's hard to know when a player of that caliber, are they better than they were the year before? I mean, he just did a 30 point triple double through the Western Conference, you know, uh, playoffs. It's hard to say he's better now. It's the regular season tempo and everything. But to me, he looks better. He looks more dominant, you know, out the gate so far this season. And the last three games he's played have just been unbelievable and how much he's impacting every single micro moment, not even every possession, every, uh, portion of a possession on, on both ends of the court right now and somebody a, a colleague of mine said it best last night what's improved about him is his um is his like competitive drive and I, it was already really high but he seems to be motivated by something else this year where usually the regular season he kind of is a great he knows how much energy to expend or how much not to or whatever he's had his foot on the gas pedal from the opening tip of the season so far He's going at guys. He's going so hard. And last night was no different as he put up another masterpiece, a 38-point triple-double. You watched that game. Were you as impressed by what you saw from Jokic? I mean, it, it's again, he's been impressive for a while, but were you as impressed as I was with what he did? Yeah, you think by this point, you know, it's kind of mundane to watch him have those kind of games because you've seen him so many times. But, no, I'm still – I'm still blown away. And here, the main thing I think that I take away every time I watch him is the simplicity with which he operates. He's the only player in the league that doesn't have one second of wasted motion, energy, or lack of purpose in what he's doing. It's very simple to him. And that just speaks to, you know, this might be the smartest player in the NBA, the way he's processing what's going on possession yeah. by possession. He, he's just, he's so far advanced in that way that he can then, simplify the game if this is what it requires in this possession that's what i'm going to do you know his simple seals and drop steps the little the little jump hooks he shoots over guys when he positions himself to get there um he's obviously you know, for a guy that doesn't have a ton of, of like tone to his muscle he's incredibly strong oh, he's, he's, so, like, he's so strong like they, he's just immovable because you see really strong guys and really good athletes have no chance against him if he gets if he gets hit them on his back it's over it is game over he had a couple plays last night that are so simple, too, and you're just like, you would never notice it in a box score. He had a, a dunk that he got in transition when he got it back from Reggie Jackson, second half. But that wasn't the best part. The best part of it was he was leading the break. He went to throw the ball to Reggie Jackson on the right wing, and he, so he kind of jumped in the air and to make the pass. And just as he did it, a defender shot into the passing lane. So well, what does he do? He just – hangs in the air a little bit longer and holds the ball and then throws it behind the head, right, of the defender who jumped into the lane. So Reggie Jackson was able to receive the pass, and then he just keeps running through him, gets it back, and makes a simple two-handed dunk. And everybody looks at the dunk. That makes the highlight. No, no. It was his ability to adjust on the fly to what was going to be a turnover if he threw the ball when he wanted to throw it. It's little things like that and what he is seeing. It's got a, he's got a CPU between his ears that's just operating at such a high speed it's not fair, really, to, no. to and have the skill set to go with it. Um, and what he said is true, by the way. Every great competitor I've ever been around, it's the, the the hatred of losing far surpasses anything they get in the reward of winning uh, until yeah. you win it all. That last game, maybe, it's different. But up until that point, it's the losing that eats the great ones alive. They can't, they can't take it. They can't stomach it. And I think Jokic has that. And I think it's growing in him because I think early in the in, in his career, you would call him happy-go-lucky. And he was a competitor, but he had this like lightness to him. And every year that I've, I've covered him since his very first media day, his very first summer league, all the way until yeah, obviously last night. And I just see almost every single day, you win a championship, you think, oh, there's a weight off your shoulders, you know, this or that. Somehow he's like more motivated. He's become back more hungry, like more wanting more and more of it. And I love the play you talked about because I, I noticed it as well. And it's a thing I, he does all of the time where he'll throw passes, 
that sometimes feel off the mark, but they're only off the mark because he knows if he throws it a little bit off, a defender will rotate out of position for the next play. And, you know, he's almost luring them out. Um, I always differentiate between basketball IQ and feel for the game. I think they're slightly different. Basketball IQ is you can sit down and know what the right thing to do is. Feel is how quickly you make those decisions. Jokic has both, but I think it's his feel that is the thing that is, you know, out just off the charts. He reads everything. He just feels when to spin. When you talk about little things like, oh, he pinned you on this side and now you're trapped. He just feels those things in milliseconds and they add up over the course. There's a thousands of those little milliseconds that happen throughout the course of the game and he feels every single one of them. Yeah, and I actually you know, watched them going against Valanciunas in the second half of that game, particularly in the fourth quarter when they finally got the separation they wanted. Jonas Valanciunas is a big, strong, tough dude, and I felt sorry for him. I felt sorry for him. Like, that's how demoralized he looked at one point, yeah. especially when he got single coverage. And he's just like, are you guys yeah. serious right now? Like, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because Jokic never shoots the ball until he wants to. And and the only reason that he won't get a shot off against the guy one on one in the post that's a quality look is because they want to double at him. And if that's the case, he's already anticipated that he knows where the ball is going to go next, and he can beat you that way with his passing. Um, yeah. He's just you know the debate is over. The debate's over. There's no more debate. This is the best player in the NBA. We've been going back and forth with this, with Giannis, with Embiid the last couple of years. This is the best player in the league. I think it's very difficult to make an argument otherwise. And every night you watch him, you see something else that reminds you of that. It's that simple for him. Um, yeah. And, you know, look, they were getting smoked last night, by the way. And the third quarter, third quarter turned the game. They came out of the locker room like the great teams do, and they put it to them. And it was, it was a combination of a bunch of guys. But, you know, we've gotten this far into this, and you haven't mentioned Julian Strother. You want to go ahead and take a minute to talk about Julian Strother and what we all watched last night when he became Kevin Durant for about a six-minute stretch and did whatever he wanted to offensively. Give me your thoughts on that. I love this kid, man. And, you know, coming out, I'm not a big draft guy. I don't watch a ton of college. Um, but the little tape I watched, I thought, okay, athletically, I don't know what he is. Could he do this or that? The guy knows how to play basketball. And there are some players in college who their games – I mean, he was a good player. He's a very good player in college. But whose right. games translate better to the NBA when there's more spacing and the smart – you know, being a smart player is more rewarding because of that. You're playing with better players. I think he's one of those guys. He's a great shooter. He has the, one of the quickest shots. I'm curious, as a shooter yourself, I'm kind of curious what you think of his shot because it's a little unconventional. Lightning quick. He almost just throws it at the rim. And – but if he was just that, he would be one thing. I love the way he reads the court. I love the way he moves. And, and he just is a guy to me that is always in the right spot offensively for a rookie that's seven games into his career. That's why I'm so high on him. That and obviously he's six foot seven. He's got all this great length to him. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you think of his shot. It's a little unconventional. It's unconventional. It was interesting last night. And look, look some of this opportunity that he got last night. Jamal Murray's not there, so he gets he gets more of an opportunity to play. Colin Gillespie gave you some nice minutes last night, yep. too, a Villanova kid that I'm very familiar with. He got an opportunity to play last night and played well. Strother, it was funny because he you know he, he, he hit a couple, and then, and then they're, like, running everything for him. And he at one point, they ran, like, a staggered screen. He was coming toward the bench, caught it at about 27 feet, and zero hesitation, turned, rose up, and that thing hit nothing but twine. And he had no doubt where that was going to go. And I was saying to myself, you know, prior to last night, I'm looking at this, he had he had 20 points in his career, and he had 21 <laughs> last night. And I said to myself, when he took that shot, this is the most confident 20-point career NBA score I've ever seen to that point. <laughs> he looked like, for that stretch of minutes, and the way the bench reacted was great, and DeAndre Jordan especially, but he looked like, for that stretch, like this guy was like, I, I am the best player on the floor. That air of confidence that he had offensively, I'm not going to forget that. Now, the opportunities I understand on a team like this yep. are going to be spotty, right? Be, yep. You know, and, and he's going to he's going to be, you know, it's hard you see something like that for, for Mike Malone to say, "Oh, I'm not going to play this guy." But the minutes going to be tough on a team like this, right? We we know that he's a young player, but I'm not going to forget that six eight stretch minute stretch he had last night. The air of confidence he had with other guys on the court that had been in All Star games, and he looked like he thought he was the best player on the floor. 
that's going to stick with me for a while. He obviously flat out knows how to score. And, you know, the rich get richer because you, you got you got a gem, I think, in Julius Strother, man. I'm going to be watching him the rest of the year. Any chance he's going to get to get minutes. That was a really exciting game. And, and just real quick, with shooters, confidence to me is the differentiator between good and great shooters. I mean, these guys, you watch them in an empty gym. How many NBA players shoot 80% from three in an empty gym? It's, I think it's a good number of them. You get out to the game and it's just – do you have the confidence to pull the trigger over and over and over again, whether you're making or missing? And to me, he has that trait. I mean, the guy just does not seem bothered by anything. As you mentioned, he gets into the game. The Nuggets are still coming back. He gets into the game. I think the Nuggets are down 15. It wasn't like he came in right away. They were still on the comeback trail, and he was a big part of that. So his shot making, um, but hits his confidence that I think just separates the great shooters. And can I can I just add to that real quick, a, a, a final thought on that, because it's just great for me and myself being a shooter and understanding yeah. that element of it, right? So, yes, you have to have it. I will say this. This era of basketball is more empowering for players than, than mm. we've ever seen in the NBA, right? So guys are allowed. If, that's, if you do that well and you're on the floor, do it. Do it as much as you want. You get daylight, let it fly. You have so much support from the coaching staff, your teammates organizationally, that there's an understanding now that like that shot is a good shot. If that's what you're on the floor to do, you could score, go ahead, let it fly. You're going to get support. And my point being, when I played, like shot selection was a little bit different. What you were trying to accomplish when you came up the floor was just you didn't fan out to the three-point line on a three-on-one break, right? You, you, you were trying to get something different. Every team had two or three post players that could score that the ball went into and you played inside out during that era. So therefore like shot selection and what, even a guy like myself, like who had the green light, I felt like most of the time there still was thoughts in your head. Is, is this a good shot or not? Right. That's, that's gone now from the NBA. Like there's no hesitation on these guys. So I envy any player that comes into the league that's got shooting ability. If you're on a roster and you step on the floor they expect you to let it fly if right. you have any daylight. And man, is that an empowering feeling because all of the limitations are gone. You are free to just go out there and live with the results. Look, if you if you go a period of time, you can't make enough shots. Well, then they're just going to not play you. But they're going to give you that opportunity to prove that it's sink or swim. And that's what you're out there to do. Do it. And we're not going to say a word about it. And man, that is a good feeling for a shooter. You can see Strother had the support of those guys and of Mike Malone last night to play that way. And I think that last part, you know, Julian Strother after the game mentioned it, that the team, you know, all the veteran players are telling him like, yeah, man, you're out there. We want you to score. Don't miss five in a row. Take the sixth one. Like, I think that this Nuggets team in particular is very, um, the culture there is one that gives everybody confidence. Michael Malone after the game said one of Jokic's traits is that he empowers his teammates. And I think even a rookie they just feel empowered to go out and do the things that they're best at. Real quickly, because we got to get out of here, but there was another great shooter, young shooter last night, Jordan Hawkins. It was one of my first times really getting an extended look at him. That was another guy that the confidence level for the shots he took and made. He goes 7 of 14. He had 31 points last night. He was the leading scorer. Uh, no, Jokic was the leading scorer in the game. He was the leading scorer for the Pels last night, 7 of 14 shooting. What did you see from him? I loved him coming out. I mean, absolutely loved him coming out in the draft. Saw enough of him with the run that they had a year ago. And he's going to have a lot of nights like he had last night. There's no question in my mind. He's got a mm. very compact, quick release, almost perfect stroke. I'm not going to put him on, you know, it's easy to compare him to Ray Allen because of the UConn connection. And, you know, the guy can flat out shoot it. Can't go there yet. For a decade, Ray Allen was the best shooter I ever saw until a guy named Steph Curry came into the league. Um, right. But But in terms of the quick, compact release, and how little time he needs to get it off. And it looks every time it looks like it's going in. Uh, he's got good size and supreme confidence. And he's on a team that's got multiple guys that require multiple defenders. That means space. That means kickouts with time with rhythm. And now you're going to see more of what you saw last night where they actually were running stuff for him as the primary option because he got so hot. Absolutely love him. Not surprised by his early success. He's had back-to-back -back career highs now, two games in a row. He was their best player last night. And you're going to have a lot of nights out of Jordan Hawkins like that because his stroke is that pure. He's got the confidence, and I think he's on the right team to get opportunities. 
Legs, another great show, man. And to everybody watching or listening to this one, the all NBA show, all about the details, all about basketball. Man, we talked about basketball for an hour straight, nothing else, just basketball. We went deep on the Wolves. Um, I love doing the show. I look forward to it every single day. I hope you guys watching look forward to it as much as we look forward to doing it. Um, and we're going to have more. We're going to take a break tomorrow. No basketball tonight. So what would we talk about if we did a show tomorrow, Legs? There's nothing even to talk about. No show, but we'll be back Thursday, guys, breaking things down. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit the like button if you're watching this. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We appreciate all of that support. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You got it. Like the mayor, 